This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. That was ugly. Yeah. Blake, Iowa Gopher, he's here too. I am here, I can confirm I am in fact here. Alright, so if you are listening to this, you are probably in some form of a mood. And it's unlikely to be an excited mood. So let's take a brief moment to talk about something exciting. We are excited, uh, as the blog, to announce the return of Homefield Apparel as a podcast sponsor. Uh, not familiar with Homefield? Uh, they're going to have stuff that you love to wear. Comfortable gear, cool vintage designs. Uh, they just released an expansion, actually, of their Minnesota line with sweet historic Goldie volleyball designs in addition to the designs they launched earlier this summer. But if you want those sweet volleyball threads, you're going to need to check out the number 7 ranked gophers in person at the PAV and buy them on site. The rest of the amazing designs can be found on homefieldapparel.com. Uh, everyone on the blog freaking loves this stuff. You may recall from the pod earlier this summer how, how over the moon we were that they were uh, finally releasing Minnesota stuff uh, gear. Uh, the gear is fantastic, comfortable, great throwback designs you aren't going to see anywhere else. Nothing makes us happier than great gopher gear. So if you want some of your own, use the code DAILYGOPHER during checkout at homefieldapparel.com for 15% off your first purchase with the good brand. That is code DAILYGOPHER at homefieldapparel.com. All right. With the exciting return of a sponsor out of the way, the hell was that? absolute hell is that i mean i didn't watch it at all like maybe five minutes of it i i I had other things i was working on and i figured i read blake's preview i believe in blake blake doesn't steer me wrong they'll win this game big Uh, blake steered me wrong but i'm not mad at blake for that because blake wrote his preview with common sense in mind that minnesota's a better team than bowling green and then that thing that was Saturday happened. And when I saw how upset everybody else was, I said, I don't need to watch this. So what you've heard from me is about all I can give in terms of feedback on this game. Because all I know is we lost and we shouldn't have lost. Which one of you wants to ran first? Uh, I think Andy should go first. I feel like he's got... Because yeah, Andy, were you there? I, I unfortunately was sitting in Huntington Bank Stadium for that apocalypse of a three hours on saturday morning and afternoon yeah i mean it was it was atrocious it was i i i mean where to where to even start um the gopher offense is in in deep trouble um you know and, and pj fleck alluded to the fact that well you were missing muhammad ibrahim which you know that hadn't stopped the gopher offense the last two weeks and then chris Ottman bell goes down on the first play of the game and 
for some reason he tried making some excuses that, well, their entire game plan was revolving around him, and once he went down, you know, it wasn't really able for any of the other wide receivers to step in. That's a load of BS. I'm sorry, PJ, but you you got to be able to make better adjustments to that if you're going to be a head coach of a Big Ten. If you're telling me the entire offensive game plan goes down on the first play of the game because your star receiver gets hurt and you can't figure out some way to do something, that's just awful. Um, yeah, the offensive line got absolutely destroyed by a MAC defensive line that uh, were 50 pounds less and four inches less across the board. Um, Tanner Morgan had arguably his worst game at quarterback, and half of that was because he had to fear for his life because the offensive line could not block anybody to save their lives. Um, but when he did have time to throw, he missed receivers left and right. Uh, the receivers, other than Chris Ottman Bell, Daniel Jackson got open a couple of times. Uh, Dylan Wright, where where are you, bro? Um, PJ said he didn't have a huge role because because they were game planning for Crab instead. I again, I think that's an excuse. He didn't do much in in Colorado either. Um, if you're if you're going to be a actual number two receiver on this team, you got to figure out some way to get open and show up. Um, and, and the defense, you know, relatively held their own. Uh, they gave up a couple of, of weak scores that, you know, would have, you know, would have been nice to stop a Mac offense when you really need to stop a Mac offense because your offense looked worse than a Mac offense. Um, but you know, you can't really fault them too much for giving up whatever it was, 14 points to a Mac team and, and the rest of your team not being able to get the win. 14 points should be completely uh, surmountable for a Big Ten team. In fact, in most games you'd go, oh, they gave up 14 points, wonderful, and you'd be happy about it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, between, between the, the actual you know, execution by your offensive veterans who have been here now three, four, five years in some cases, um, Sam Schluter had an awful game. Like, we're talking back to, like, 2018-level Schuler when you're wondering, why is he starting? Why is he, you know, he he could not block anyone on Saturday. And I'm just wondering, you know, where are the, where are the coaching adjustments? For the second game in a row against a MAC team, uh, P.J. Fleck, Mike Sanford got completely outcoached, especially in halftime adjustments. There were none, none at all. Um what what happens there? I mean, and I, I I just I can't even I can't even figure out what to do. I mean, are we getting closer to a Rob Smith situation where I mean something has to happen? And I think Blake has his opinions on that. I mean, if the Gophers go to Purdue this weekend and lay an egg, I don't know how you can't fire somebody. And that's not even getting me started on the Rob Winger situation, which is a whole nother thing. How the Gophers special teams can still be this bad at execution? This many years, it it's just mind-boggling. Um, yeah, you know it's it's frustrating. Obviously, you can you can hear it. It's insanely frustrating, and there's no way that year five any Gopher team should play that poorly against that level of a team. We're not talking like this is MAC champion level team. We're talking about Bowling Green came in literally ranked one of the five worst FBS teams in the country statistically. 
and the Gophers just absolutely crapped the bed. Well, the big question, of course, becomes, can we fix it? Blake, you sort of, you know, alluded to something you felt could fix it. I don't think anyone is super... Yeah, I mean, a different offensive scheme would certainly fix it. Uh, in, in lieu of um, a different offensive coordinator, <laughs> what do we do? Or And I say we being, as frustrated fans, what would need to change for the Gophers to see more success as the season continues? Well, I mean, I'll say this. I, I have two takeaways from this game. And one is, um, as you already alluded to and I wrote in the blog, if P.J. Fleck is serious about staying at Minnesota long-term, then Mike Sanford should be coaching for his job the rest of the way. Um, I mean, you look at the trajectory of the offense since you know Kirk Schrock left after 2019 and Mike Sanford came in 2020, 2021. The running game has been great, but you've also benefited from having Muhammad Ibrahim, one of the best running backs in the country, operating behind a pretty good offensive line in the same, same similar zone blocking scheme that we had in Sharaka. So, you know, Sanford still, he, he, he still gets some credit for that. I will say, but just the, the regression of the passing game is difficult to ignore. And especially the way that, um, Tuner Morgan's taking the step back and the offense seems built less to his strengths, um, from a standpoint of one, the RPO was great for Tanner because he got to make simple reads and quick decisions. And on Saturday, that was not the case for him, especially with an offensive line that couldn't pass protective their life dependent on it. He wasn't – there were these long, slow-developing routes and just gave Bowling Green an opportunity to pin their ears back and tee off on Tanner basically the whole way. Um, we, you know, we're, So we're going to get away from those quick, efficient passes that are kind of Tanner's bread and butter um, and you know would, would buy him more time with the offensive line that he has. And two – um, one of the big things under Shiraka was, you know, operating different plays out of the same formations, just getting getting creative and keeping the defense off balance. Whereas with um, Sanford now, it's just the same formations are always the same plays. The play calling is predictable, especially first down, second down, third down. Um, across the board, it's just there's just a stunning lack of creativity in an attempt to, um, you know, throw the defense off. It, it, there's this mentality that I think we've all kind of picked up on from these non-conference games where you know, Fleck and Sanford and whoever seem to think that they can just line up and, and pose their will on the opposing team without having to break out the playbook. Clearly that they, I mean, they've, that's been a trend since Fleck got here and he's been playing with fire and he finally got burned. Um, so that, that to me, that that's the big takeaway here is there's talent on this team. There's talent on this offense, specifically the offensive line. We know they can recruit good receivers. We know what Tanner can do. Um, if they're not executing and they're not being put in position to see, that's entirely on the coaching. So I think this is a fixable issue. Um, and it's entirely on the coaching staff, being the players at the end, they have to execute, but I'm not seeing them being put in position to execute the game properly. So that's my first takeaway from this game. My, my second takeaway is something I didn't come to immediately after the game, it took a couple of days of perspective, but um, just to yeah, some important perspective here. So you know, Kirk Ferentz in his ninth season in Iowa, lost to a five and seven Western Michigan team. And then in his 14th season in Iowa city, he lost to a seven and six central Michigan team. Even more recently than, than that Northwestern in 2018 lost to a four and eight Akron team. And then went on to win the big 10 West. So I, I bring this up because just to point out that Minnesota is not the first team to have an embarrassing loss at home against a Mac team. And they, they certainly won't be the last. 
Does that make it any less unacceptable? No. I mean, Big Tens, as a general rule, shouldn't lose to MAC teams, plain and simple. But it happened, and people are right to be upset. It's good that people care. But to me, a loss like this puts a team at a crossroads. This can either be a flat tire that sends their season into a ditch, or they can pull over, change the tire, get back on the road. It's, it's all about their response at this point. That's where my focus is. I, I'm done dwelling on Bowling Green. There's really no change in the outcome of that game. But there are at least eight games left to be decided. So Minnesota just needs to take a hard look in the mirror now and figure out what needs to happen so that Bowling Green does not happen again. Yeah, that's that's my perspective on this game at this point. You actually hit on what my very next point after you finished was going to be, which was in no way am I predicting that suddenly Minnesota you know, wins the Big Ten West. I don't un- honestly have any idea what Minnesota team is going to show up uh, on a given week right now because the one that showed up against Colorado um, is not the one that showed up against Bowling Green. So, and the one that showed up against Miami wasn't the one that showed up against Colorado. So, you know, at this point, maybe we just run Purdue off the field and win by two touchdowns. I have no idea. Uh, the point is, is that you, what I, what I really liked from your take was that Minnesota got burned a hundred percent. It is frustrating to no end. I, and I know we're not alone. I have the texts in my phone from tons of friends who are gopher fans who are like, what the hell? But if you're going to get burned and you have goals as a team and this would be the time to get burned, I guess that's your silver lining. You can come back from this. It doesn't cost you a shot at a division title. It doesn't cost you a shot at having a good season in the Big Ten. Now, as you say, Crossroads, they actually have to do those things. That There's no... I'm not going to try to sugarcoat that I somehow think that's suddenly going to happen. I'm certainly more pessimistic about that than when, you know, I was in Boulder enjoying a 30 to nothing romp. But here we are, you know, it, 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 oddly enough, it could certainly be worse. (laughs) Well, and I'll, I'll just take the, you know, the, the typical position I'm in is, is the village pessimist and say, you know, I mean, it's, it's one thing if, if, you know, you just get away from the game plan and you struggle and things like that. But I mean, it was a virtual systematical failure on Saturday. And I think, I mean, the the problem is, is we've seen trends where, as we've said, the, the, the passing game since Mike Sanford has taken over has completely gone downhill. And if it you know, wasn't so concerning that we've seen this under other Mike Sanford coach teams, uh, you may know there's a quarterback in Green Bay named Jordan Love who was going to be talked about as a, you know, he still was a first-round draft pick, but he was talked about as a potential Heisman candidate until Mike Sanford came in and coached him his senior year, and Jordan Love had the worst year of his career. We've seen Tanner Morgan regress significantly under a season and a quarter now under Mike Sanford. Could be a coincidence, sure, but I mean that's that's an alarming trend to say the least. And you know, obviously the Gopher offense looked good against Colorado. Um, you know, they they ran the ball all over them. Uh, the Gophers couldn't run the ball to save their lives last week. Purdue will be ready to stop the run on Saturday if the Gophers struggle to run on Saturday. And Tanner Morgan's got to put this game on his shoulders. 
it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And, you know, like I said, I'll be I'll I'll be the one who's going out and, and they may come out and, and have another Colorado like game and they may blow Purdue out of the water. And I sure hope that's right. I I didn't see it after the Miami game and then it was happened and then we got all excited. And then then last week happened. But I think if if the passing game has to win them this game and it fails miserably again, you've got to look at making a change if you're P.J. Fleck because the fan base is going to turn on you in a hurry. And you've got Matt Simon sitting there. We don't know what Matt Simon's role is in this offense. Nobody ever talks about it. I mean, he supposedly was the co-OC at one point. What what role does Matt Simon actually have in, in trying to figure out you know, the game plan and things like that for this team. Um, I don't know. I, 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 last week was a, was a definite kick in the balls. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, I sure, like I said, I hope I'll be completely wrong about the rest of the season going forward and they can pull a, a Northwestern and bounce back and, and have a great big 10 season. But, um, I'm very worried about our passing game right now. If our offensive line cannot, uh, create running game holes, and I think, you know, with a with a veteran offensive line like this, you've got to look squarely at at game plan and play calling as your as your first uh, thing that has to be drastically changed. You know, normally I'd ask us what made us laugh this weekend. I don't know. I didn't do a lot of laughing. I did a lot of projects around the house. I didn't do a lot of laughing. On the plus side, I was extremely productive with projects around the house. It's amazing. It's amazing how much you can get done on your to-do list for, you know, things related to remodeling your basement when you just go, oh, this game isn't worth my time and you don't watch it. <laughs> you get so much more done, guys. It's it's crazy. It's crazy how much you get done. <sighs> All right, we're going to get to Purdue, but before we do, let's let's change let's change for a little bit. I want to go to volleyball, who continues to win and continues to show themselves to be a good borderline great team. Maybe still not ready to take on the tops of the uh, nation, uh, but certainly it seems as though several other teams in the Big Ten who are top-notch have had some ups and downs so i'm just going to turn that over to andy and let him fill in the blanks yeah uh well i mean we've we've seen success now for the for several weeks for the gopher volleyball team they opened up big 10 play last week they uh they hosted michigan on on thursday night and and i think you saw some of that toughness finally coming out uh the gophers jumped up to a quick 2-0 lead against the wolverines and then all of a sudden they looked terrible uh wolverines came back and and won sets three and four and it was coming down to a winner take off fifth set when uh when the gophers finally decided you know what uh we're gonna make sure we don't lose our, our big 10 opener at home and they battled back and and picked up set five for a 3-2 win uh michigan's a, a Good team, not a great team. They were receiving votes in the national polls. They'll finish probably sixth in the Big Ten. Uh, but it was nice to see the Gophers come back and, and do what they needed to do, especially because they were one of the uh, only top Big Ten teams that avoided the season-opening upset bug. Um, Ohio State was ranked number third in the country. They were undefeated. Uh, Purdue went into Columbus and uh, and knocked them off. Um, 
And Wisconsin was ranked number two in the country and went to Maryland, uh, where Maryland shocked the Badgers, uh, winning 3-2 in an upset that is not even close. It's the biggest in the country so far this season. Maryland, I don't know if they had ever beaten Wisconsin in volleyball, uh, or if they had, it's been a very, very, very long time. So uh, an impressive win for the Terps, um, which got Gopher fans a little nervous because Maryland came in here to the PAV on, on Sunday afternoon to take on the Gophers. Maryland undefeated at 13-0. and uh, And the Gophers, whether it was a hangover for Maryland or whether Minnesota just dominated, they destroyed Maryland, winning easily a three-set sweep. Uh, Maryland didn't score more than 13 points in a single set. The Gophers were on point and just absolutely wasted the Terrapins, finishing the match in just over an hour. It was a really impressive ass-kicking by Minnesota. Uh, so the Gophers are 2-0 in the Big Ten, sit atop the conference. But as we said, you know, every time we talk about it, the Big Ten, there is no rest. Uh the Gophers get their first showcase game this upcoming weekend. Friday night, they head to Madison against those number five Badgers. Um, and hopefully it will be another epic Gopher-Badger clash in volleyball as it has been the last few seasons. But uh, Minnesota will get their first big road test against Wisconsin. And uh, then they head to Northwestern the night after that, which should be a, a pretty easy sweep. Northwestern's not very good. So, uh, But, yeah, hopefully uh, Gophers-Badgers Friday night can be uh, pretty epic. 8 p.m. start live on BTN, so uh, tune in. All right, so we've got hockey to talk about as well. Uh, Before we do that, I want to know, can Blake name any Gopher hockey captain? I don't care if it's the men or the women. not, not Not a chance, no. That's already if I, even if I had retained some names from last season, I have no idea if they'd still. I mean, I've just Blake. Can I've you lost name Minnesota's go, the men's goalie? Oh shit! What's his name? Um, is it Jack something? Yeah. Uh, Jack. Oh man, because he's he's the one that you hear his name so often during games. Um, Andy, you want to you want to help him out? I don't have I don't have it. I'm great. He's on the right track. Jack Lafontaine would be uh, the, would be the <sighs> Gopher goalie. That would be the reigning Mike Richter Award winner as the best collegiate goalie in the country, and also one of the Gophers' captains this season. I I am going to propose we do a different bit this year. I'm up for Blake asks a hockey question, uh, but I would instead propose. We have Andy write a trivia question for Blake each week. And we, we throw a... And I don't want them to be stumpers, Andy, unless, he's, unless he really starts rolling. I want you to, to just throw a, throw a question at, at him each week. Uh, are, are we up for this? Is this a bit we want to try out on the pod on a weekly? I mean, I'm going to fail miserably, but uh, you know, I never shy away from a challenge. Well, I'm actually uh, hopeful that you're going to just get so uh, competitive that you're going to like just become a religious, religious hockey fan. And next thing I know, what we're going to have is a bit where you and Andy like break down, uh, you know, schematic things. And, and, you know, we go into, you know, who cares about talking about the rest of the sports? We have a, a separate podcast for Andy and Blake to talk hockey is what I'm hoping for. That would certainly be best case scenario. <laughs> All right, Andy. Um, 
go for hockey, men's and women. Uh, you know, we're basically in October, which means it's not too long off for the season. Uh, break it down for us. Yeah, uh, shockingly, the 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 year, the fall, has gone ridiculously fast, and and both the uh, Gopher men and Gopher women play their first games this upcoming weekend, which is is ridiculous. But here we are, um, and in both teams come in with fairly high expectations, both ranked number four in the nation in the initial polls. Um, the the Gopher men predicted to win the Big Ten by the Big Ten coaches. Uh, the Gopher Which, wi- to be. To be fair, that that felt like a bit of a surprise to me. I actually thought Michigan would get the nod on that. Well, and, and if you look, Michigan is ranked, the national media is taking Michigan ahead of the Gophers. Well, the Gophers are four in both polls. Michigan is three in both polls. Uh, the reason why Michigan nationally is getting the attention is is they had four of the five first-round NHL draft picks this past June, uh, all of who will suit up for the Wolverines this season, and they had a, an additional three first-round picks from last year who will all suit up for Michigan this season. So uh, Michigan's offensive prowess is going to be ridiculous this year. The Wolverines are going to be able to score like crazy. Um, where Michigan's going to have to figure things out, and obviously will turn on their season, is going to be in goal. Strauss Mann, who was their uh, star goaltender the last couple of years, signed a professional contract in the offseason. He's no longer there. So Michigan has a couple of untested goalies who uh, they're going to have to try and figure out who can win the job, A, and will they be able to... Uh, to compete with the you know additional high scoring offenses in the Big Ten between Minnesota and Wisconsin and Notre Dame, so um, that's why I think the Big Ten coaches were giving the edge to Minnesota is they know what they have with the Gopher defense. Uh, Ryan Johnson, Jackson Lacombe, Brock Faber, uh, you've got three of the top defensemen in in the conference right there, and Jack Lafontaine who will be one of the top three four goalies in the country once again. Um, so the Gophers have that established defense, and I think that's why the Big Ten coaches gave them the nod over the Wolverines. But the Gophers also can score on offense. They returned. Uh, Sampo Ranta is gone. He has moved on to uh, the Colorado Avalanche organization. But they returned Sammy Walker, who becomes the first ever three-time captain in Gopher history. They've got Ben Myers, who's going to be probably one of the top uh, college free agents next year to sign with a pro team. Uh, and they bring in a ridiculously loaded freshman class. Uh, Matthew Knees was a uh, second-round pick uh, by, I believe he was uh, Toronto. Um, he's apparently looked amazing in early practices and, and should have a, a high-profile uh, role early with the Gophers. Uh, Chaz Lucius, uh, highest, you know, excite level for a gopher freshman in some time arguably since we're talking the you know blake wheeler thomas vanek uh eric halla types uh lucius a first round draft pick by the uh, winnipeg jets this season the kid is a scoring marvel uh a lot of people have tried to compare him with uh, with cole caulfield who would, uh, was a, a ridiculously offensive threat for the badgers the last couple of years hobie baker award winner last year uh, he's got that natural sniper talent uh we'll see how long it takes him to, to adjust to the college game but if he can pick things up quickly uh he is going to be a, a a major threat to score goals for the gophers this year and, and like I said, they they returned most of their lineup from last season. Really, only uh, Sampo Ranta and and Brandon McManus, who uh, who entered the transfer portal in the off season, moved to, on to Omaha, are the only two offensive threats that are missing for the Gophers this season. So um, there there's definitely reason for optimism that they're they uh, should be able to 
be at the top of the Big Ten again. Definite optimism. They'll be one of the best teams in the country. Uh, the state of Minnesota, once again, is loaded. Uh, the Gophers, Mankato, St. Cloud, UMD, all ranked in the top ten in the in the country in the initial polls. So uh, it should be a really fun season, and uh, we're hoping that the Gophers can continue to live up to expectations, which every once in a while can be a problem. You know, when you tell me somebody's name is Chaz and we're excited, <laughs> I'm the Wedding Crasher uh, references just get real, real deep uh, in my head. Uh, I'm just going to be th- thinking about Meatloaf a lot with Chaz Lucius. Uh that's that's all I have to say about that. Um, okay, we go for women. Yeah, so the women, uh, as we said, also ranked number four in the country, and it, it just shows the strength of the uh, the WCHA. Uh, Wisconsin predicted to uh, once again win the conference as ranked number one in the country. Uh, Ohio State is ranked number two in the country. The Gophers are three. Minnesota Duluth is five. Um, and it will be a packed uh Top of the WCHA, the Gophers again open up with a uh, with a big battle. They get the Buckeyes coming to town this weekend. Uh, Ohio State has had the Gophers number ever since Nadine Moseral, former Gopher star and former Gopher assistant, has taken over that Buckeye program. Uh, she's really turned it around, and they have actually owned Minnesota the last few years. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the Gophers can and try and uh, bounce back and 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 get back to beating Ohio State like they should. Um, it's going to be a bit of a weird year for the Gopher women. It is an Olympic year, so several players uh, have been centralized and will spend time uh, working out with the uh, the U.S. national team instead of competing with the Gophers. Uh, one of those being Grace Zumwinkle, the leading scorer last year for Minnesota. She would have been eligible to come back for a fifth year senior this year. Um, she will be on the U.S. national team and the U.S. Olympic team, uh, no doubt, uh, as well as Abby Murphy, sophomore, who ended up being the uh, second leading scorer for the Gophers last season. She is also centralized and is more of a bubble candidate to make the uh, U.S. Olympic team. Um, so you're lo- losing your top two scorers from, from a year ago who are, are trying to make the Olympic team uh, to try and Pick up a little bit offense back. Uh, the Gophers went on the transfer portal and brought in Savannah Norcross from Boston College, who was BC's leading scorer a year ago. Uh, so she moves from Hockey East to the WCHA and hopefully will step in to try and provide a little bit of that offense that's lost. But you've still got uh, you know Taylor Heisey, who's a senior this year. Um, she'll be able to put the puck in the net. Amy Potomac back for her final year as a Gopher. Uh, hopefully she can pick up the form she had pre uh leg injury she's had the last couple of years um and can find things and then in the net uh you've got lauren bench who was the uh grad transfer who came over from bemidji state who held down the goal for uh most of the year last year for minnesota she uh once again is back and she'd probably be the uh the starter for minnesota uh michaela paul uh, is now a junior. She's from Rochester. She played the backup role last year. I think you'll see her get a little bit more uh, action this season. Um, and the Gophers brought in Skylar Vetter, who is a uh, highly touted freshman goaltender who might not uh, necessarily see much action this season. Uh, but once Bench graduates, has a good chance to take over the number one role next year. So uh, the Gophers did reload. They've got some some good freshman talent, uh, but they do have to make up a, a lot of offense. They'll be lost. Um, you know, Wisconsin has four players they're missing from last year's team who's centralized with the U S national team. Uh, 
Ohio State has one who's on the Canadian national team. So all the uh, top teams in, in the WCHA will be missing some some high-level offensive talent, uh, trying to compete with uh, trying to win spots on Olympic teams. But, uh, you know, it should be another dogfight for those uh, top four spots between the Gophers, Bulldogs, Buckeyes, and Badgers. As it always has been. Blake, do you want to preview this game? I'll skip it if you want to skip it. No, I mean, this is an interesting matchup, I'll be honest. Um, I, cause I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, the run of bad injury luck Purdue is on right now, but it is uh, well, let me, extraordinary. Let me see if what I can what I can do offhand. David Bell's in the concussion protocol. Or, well, he, yes, he he, was... he's hurt in some way. It, or is it King Daru that's in the concussion protocol? No, it is David Bell. David, against Notre Dame, he, took, uh, he got clocked against Notre Dame in week three and then missed last week's game with um, still being in the concussion protocol. And he's still in the protocol as of, I think, um, Monday or which, Tuesday which this week. Which, incidentally, so. um, David Bell, be well, man, because being in the protocol like after a week is not a great deal, and I'm, <laughs> I want his brain to be functional as a human being. So you've got that's that's one. There's several others. If you want to keep going, oh, okay. or is that the only one that you know? Uh, well, they. I don't know if he's hurt, but they didn't they yank Plummer. He's yeah. He they yanked him, but that he's been doing that. Brown's been doing that for like two or three years now, uh, yanking quarterbacks left and right. So, but he's not the, injured. The, the okay, fact so. that the fact that Purdue has wide receivers playing running backs is probably not a good sign. For yeah, I don't remember who was ahead of King Daru, but the whole reason I'm talking about King Daru's injury is because he was the backup. So whoever their starter is, he's hurt. So yeah, in week two, Xander Horvath, their starting running back, broke his fibula. Oh God! And had to have surgery. Had to have surgery to repair that. And then, so yeah, King Daru took over as the starting running back, but he was held out this last week due to a medical condition, and Brahm said that that may hold him out the rest of the year. So they're down to their top running back is a redshirt freshman, Dylan Downing, and they've got guys like yeah, Jackson Anthrop, who's a wide receiver, practicing more running back. So yeah, running back, they're extremely thin. Um, you mentioned David Bell, wide receiver. At tight end, their top uh, tight end guy, Payne Durham. Is, that's such an awesome name, too. What a, what a name. He's also in the concussion protocol uh, after after taking a hit against Illinois. So he's probably doubtful for this Saturday. So, yeah, that's their top receiver, their top tight end, their top two running backs all out with injuries. And they like to yo-yo the quarterback. Yeah, and Jeff, Jeff Brom likes to yo-yo the quarterback. I've never seen anyone so just – he just is so inclined to pull a quarterback out at a moment's notice or just like he's, you know, I get maybe it's just from watching Minnesota the past couple of years where it's like Tanner Morgan's the guy, unless he's physically unable to go in the game, Tanner Morgan's the guy. But yeah, just like the last two weeks alone, I think, cause I think Plummer was the starter to start the year with the last two games. We've seen both Plummer and Aiden O'Connell for Purdue against once against Notre Dame and then against Illinois last week. Um, and I think O'Connell was the one who orchestrated the game winning drive at the end of the game against Illinois. They hadn't scored a touchdown until Aiden O'Connell took over and let him down the field, I think, on a 90-yard uh, touchdown drive to eventually win the game for him. But, uh, yeah, so, and I don't think Brom has named a starting quarterback this week, and I, I mean, I doubt he will. If I was him, I'd just wait until the game. Um, but I'm sure Minnesota's going to count on seeing both of them, and I think the fans should expect seeing both of them. But, yeah, their offense is in an interesting interesting situation right now. Their, their offensive line already wasn't very good. Um, 
they've they really struggled even with Horvath and Daru to get a ground game going. I know last year that was a big struggle for them too. Um, so you're already down your two running backs. Your offensive line isn't very good. So you really don't have much of a run game. They do have, they do still have talent at wide receiver. They've got um, you know junior the junior Milton Wright uh, is pretty good. He's he'll be their top wide receiver if David Bell's out. Um, I mentioned Jackson Anthrop. They've got a, a sophomore in P- TJ Sheffield. Um, yeah, so there's talent there, but just not a lot of proven experience. Um, and yeah, I mean it's just an open question how their quarterback is going to play. Um, and they've also given up six sacks over the last two games. Uh, so the offensive so the offensive line. Uh, really not helping out the ground game or the passing game. Um, and they've averaged 13 points per game their last two games against real opponents. They started started the year whoa, against whoa, Oregon hold, State. Hold, hold, hold up. In what world is a Brett Bielema-led Illinois team a real opponent? Okay, yeah. As soon as I said that, I was like, oh, I forgot. If it, it was Illinois. Um, but, hey, but, you know, Illinois beat uh, Juggernaut uh, uh, Nebraska. So, obviously, they're for real. Um <laughs> What I'm hearing you say is is that if Street was on the podcast right now, his prediction tonight would be hammer the under. I mean, I'd be curious what the under is at. Just looking at both of these teams, um, I mean, at least Purdue has an excuse to be bad offensively. At Minnesota, I don't know what their excuse is at this point, other than just lack of effort or game I, plan. I can I can provide um, you that information as I had it looked out, and I'm shocked that it is as high as it is. What is it? The current spread as of 9 o'clock or so Tuesday night when we're recording this, Purdue is favored by 2.5 points, and the over-under is 47.5. In what fucking world do they think 47 points are going to go up on that board? I have so no like idea. A, that's like, that's like a 24-21 like game, basically? Kind of? That's like a 20, that, it's like a 20... It'd be like a 20... Uh, 27 or a 24 23 or yeah, something I mean, like that. that that's your push those are your two push numbers but holy crap now again watch watch me be completely wrong and we open up the playbook and suddenly we have short passes and you know uh crossing routes and things that actually work and you know we but jesus that, that i mean based on what we've seen that's not a that's not hammer the under is what feels right well, right now the the thing, too, I haven't touched on the Purdue defense because for the first time in the Brown era, they actually seem to have a fairly good defense. Um, and it starts in the secondary. They did lose one of their starting quarterbacks, Corey Trice, to an ankle injury that I think um, should sideline him for this game this Saturday. But they've also got a fifth-year senior at, at, at corner in Dedrick Mackey. They've got two really good safeties, Marvin Grant and Cam Allen, um, who are they really lean on a lot, even especially in the run game. Um, they're, so their secondary is very good, which I think will be maybe bad news for Minnesota's offense if they're going to, especially be without Chris Upman Bell and rely on that same group of receivers last year that struggled to get separation. So um, they are not quite stout against the run. There's there's some running room um, up front there, but again, if they're stack if they're going to stack the box because they know Minnesota can't pass the ball, that's going to be easier said than done for for Minnesota. So I think it's the way Minnesota's defense has played the last two weeks. They're looking pretty good. The way Purdue's defense has played the last the last couple weeks in this season. Um, they're looking very good because Purdue's really it's a it's a bend but don't break defense. Um, they've only allowed eight trips to the red zone through their first four games, and they've only allowed three touchdowns from those eight trips and three field goals. So um, it's it's pretty good defense um, from what I from what I've seen. And uh, yeah, I think Minnesota's offense will certainly have their work cut out for them um, more so than they already did uh, based on last week. So it, that that's why I kind of think it's an interesting matchup. It's two teams with pretty good defense and 
two offenses that are struggling for different reasons. So it's kind of a who's going to break who first. So a traditional Big Ten slogathon likely played in rain. Glorious. Yeah, if this is not an ugly game, I will be shocked. Well, here's for being here's here's for being shocked in a way that makes you know us happy, not Purdue fans. All right, predictions. I'll be honest, I didn't put any thought or effort into this. I'm gonna make it up on the spot. Usually, I at least come in with like something resembling a thought process. I have none. Um, well, fuck it. I'm the optimist on this blog, right? That's what I do. If I'm going to go out being wrong, I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. Uh, Minnesota remembers that if you run plays that work, you can score points. Uh, they don't do it extremely well, but they do it with more aplomb than against Bowling Green. Minnesota 24, Purdue 17. Who wants next? Somebody. Let's, where's the excitement here? You're well, let, let, now let Andy the let, pessimist go. I, I, I am the, the pessimist, but I haven't quite gotten to the point where I'm <laughs> pessimistic <laughs> enough that we can lose to Purdue. It, it's a road game. <laughs> the last few games against Purdue have been close. Uh, admittedly, if and I'm sure Purdue will bring it up several times, the controversy of last year's game where uh, there was the, the, the phantom pass interference call that led to... Uh, you mean the phantom pass interference call that followed the phantom pass interference call that allowed them to score the go-ahead touchdown? Well, I mean, the, the ref, Big Ten refs are starting to get a reputation for being just as bad as the rest of the country. We all know that. But long story short, these these games have been close. I mean, you remember in, in 20, uh, 2019 in West Lafayette, the Gophers got up to a huge lead and let Purdue sneak back into the game, and I think Minnesota only ended up winning that one by a touchdown uh, after what looks like it should have been a blowout at halftime. Uh, so I have no doubt it's going to be a close game. These two teams, you know, Brom and PJ aren't really fans of one another. Um, I'm sure there'll be some some weird things going on, but I, I can't go full blow-it-up mode yet. So uh, I do think it'll be a lower-scoring game, but I do think uh, the Gophers will pull it off. I see them winning 24-21. Uh, whether that's a late field goal by Trickett to, to win it or whether there's some shenanigans involving Purdue's kicker, I'm not really sure, but I'll say uh, 24-21 Minnesota. Come on, Blake. I will Join say, us. Um, Join us on the unra- irrationally <laughs> optimistic side. Just to be clear, this is my prediction. is was done well in advance as I was writing my preview, so not influenced by any peer pressure situation, but... Um, to PJ's credit, I think maybe this is a, last year might have been a little bit of an exception, but they usually respond well after a loss. Um, I think back to 2019, they lost to Iowa. They came back and beat Northwestern. And they lost to Wisconsin. They came back and beat Auburn in the bowl game. Um, they look back even to the end of uh, 2018. They lost Northwestern, then came back and beat uh, Wisconsin on the road. Um, I just think that this is a team that does respond well to losses, and that's really part of the – PJ Flex culture is responding well, just making a response. I do expect them to play better this Saturday than they played last Saturday. I would be surprised if they came out and played flat again. Um, but with that said, I do think it'll be an ugly game. Uh, I think it'll be a low-scoring game. Um, I mean, it's I'd be elated if Minnesota came out, 
you know, guns blazing and just start racking up touchdowns. But I, I will pick Minnesota 16-13. I think it's going to be close, ugly game, hammer the under. Um, yeah, I'm not ready to despair just yet. If they lose this game, my expectations for the rest of the season will, will go down significantly, and it'll be a long bye week. But right now, at this, as of this moment, I will pick Minnesota will prevail for the for the clean sweep between the three of us. All right, uh, I did not get Street's uh, prediction in advance. Uh, you will see that in the staff predictions. Uh, of course, last week he uh, said Tanner Morgan would throw over two touchdowns. <laughs> Clearly that did not happen. I mean, yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, but we'll have to see what he, he predicts this week. Um, don't be shocked if it's Hammer the Under. Um, do not be shocked if it's Hammer the Under. Well, friends, um, I'm going to close this out with a reminder. Homefield Apparel, they rock. Homefieldapparel.com. Use code DAILYGOPHER at checkout. And in the meantime, go Gophers. Sky you ma. Row the boat. Mm-hmm.